0: What's up everybody? Welcome to Hockey Mountain High with J.J. Jerez and Arif Dean. I'm J.J. He's Arif. Brought to you by Superbook Sports and Total Beverage in both Thornton and Westminster. Arif, I think we have to start this episode with an apology to our listeners. Uh, we really dropped the ball. I guess we, uh, we were really trying to come back and record a post-free agency wrap-up podcast and... In doing so, we were waiting for Nazem Kadri to make his decision, and here we are on Sunday, still no decision made, and we're kind of late to the game on our free agency podcast, so apologies well, to everyone, we dropped you, it.
1: You forgot to call us your go-to avalanche podcast, but that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the fact that we completely dropped the ball there. No, yeah. we, we, we were scheduled to record a podcast Wednesday evening. And we were texting back and forth, and I'm like, Kadri's got to make a decision Thursday morning. Let's just push it a day. And then we pushed it a day, and then nothing happened. And then we pushed it one more day because then there was like some speculation, some murmurs that maybe he's waiting on the avalanche to clear cap space. Suddenly it's Friday. Suddenly it's Saturday. Here we are recording our regular Sunday completely didn't do a Wednesday podcast. So now we're going to talk about Val Natushkin signing a contract six days after he signed it. And when you're listening to it on Monday, it's been a whole week, but we will talk about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so let's start the show off with Kadri. I think that's what's on everybody's mind right now. So combined with all the information you've read, heard out there, everybody's rumors, with your own little bit of speculation here, what do you think is going on? What's taken so long and uh, when do you anticipate this wraps up?
1: Well, we've seen Peter Ball report on it per his sources. We've seen uh, Elliot Friedman talk about it from his sources. We've seen, uh, I think, Pierre Lebrun talked about it from his – no, not Pierre. Pierre has been on vacation somewhere in his cottage since Wednesday. Uh, but a couple of reporters have talked about how uh, the the Nazem Kadri camp is kind of waiting for whichever one of the teams interested in them to clear cap space. So it's a very and, – and that's not a guarantee. That's not – for sure the way it's going down but i think the islanders are right up against the cap the avalanche obviously three point well 4.6 million because one of the defensemen they signed england is on the cap friendly page and he's obviously not an NHLer, so it's 4.6 million um the calgary flames do have cap space because of the johnny goudreau thing and i know their reporter eric francis from Sportsnet now in canada has already said that the Flames have put in an offer for Naz, and they have the cap space, so maybe he's waiting to see if another team puts in an offer. Um, it's all very strange, to be honest with you. But it's it's kind of looking like a couple things in my brain are what happened is, number one, Nazem probably, I don't want to say overshot the market, but didn't get the type of offers he was expecting. And this has happened. This is not a Nazem Kadri thing. This is not a one player having a, a 31-year-old best season of his career looking for a seven-year term. This has been every player since UFA started. I mean, Alex Petrangelo a couple years ago was a UFA, you know, just a year or two after Eric Carlson got $11.5 and Drew Doughty signed for 11, million. And Petrangelo was at that level. He won the Cup in 2019, excellent season in 2020 with the Blues. He got 8.8. 8. That's it. And then last season, I forget who the big name was last season, to be honest with you. The summers are all just kind of like – connected but i think nazem kadri overshot the market a little bit in the sense of he didn't get the big offer he was expecting and then i think the second thing he did was kind of and it's a ballsy move but i think he waited to see what would happen with johnny goudreau because that will determine the market because if goudreau you know pre-covid nothing happened the salary caps 91 92 if goudreau is going out on the market and getting 11 million yeah kadri will probably get nine and a half ten But Goudreau got nine and a half, ten. He got nine and three quarters, nine, seven, five. So now Nazem kind of knows his market where it's at. Maybe eight million, maybe less. It's all just very strange. And it's all speculation right now.
0: How about the report that he does want to stay with a contender, right? He's not just chasing chasing dollar bills here. He wants to play on a good team. Do you think that takes out Calgary as where they're at right now? Or does Calgary still have um, a good chance of, I guess, putting things back together and, and making another run at things?
1: Uh, if it's Calgary, the one that Matt Kachuk is on currently, Matthew Kachuk, then yeah, they're a contender. But if it's the Calgary where Matthew Kachuk is going to accept his qualifying offer and walk to free agency um, and then probably go home to St. Louis, then uh, not so much because – let's face it Calgary losing Johnny Goudreau is a massive blow Calgary losing Johnny Goudreau and then adding Nazem Kadri is still a massive blow but it's it's a playoff contender at least like they still have Jacob Markstrom they still have a good defense um so it's hard to say but you know just looking at the cap space starting from the top I mean the the lightning our way over the cap the Capitals the Panthers the Canucks the Maple Leafs, the Golden Knights are still over the cap, even though they had to shed Petrangelo for nothing and Dylan Cogland. What a team. Uh but but looking at the teams that might be interested, let's see. The um Colorado Avalanche listed at 3.9 million. Again, it's really four point six because they have England listed as a seven hundred fifty K one way defenseman. He's gonna be in the minors. He's not in an any challer, so It's really 4.6 million the Carolina Hurricanes have 4 million the Boston Bruins 4.7 But they still have to resign Uh, Bergeron and Krejci supposedly coming back the Nashville Predators have 9.2 That's one that Peter ball when we get him on the podcast. He's been You know not that there are sources behind this But he's been wondering about the Predators because it's a great city to live in and you know being kind of on the cusp uh, If he would like it over there, Um, I personally don't think he would but then, when you go down the island, well, the Islanders have the cap space; they have 11 million, but they have a couple guys to sign. And then the Calgary Flames have 18 million. So, like, who could he be waiting on if it's not the Avalanche at this point?
0: Yeah, it feels definitely feels like the longer we wait, the higher the odds go for the Avalanche, right? And there's so many players still out there in the market that need to be signed, whether it's with their current teams or elsewhere. But there's still a lot of negotiation going on, so I guess it's not insane that he's still waiting and still hasn't made up his mind here, but um, I'd expect something to drop here in the next week, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, let's take a look at uh, one of the other teams that I've I've wondered about, Uh, the Seattle Kraken. The Kraken have six defensemen under contract. They have three goalies because is going to start on IR, so they have Martin Jones to back up Grubauer. And then they've got 11 forwards, and obviously that doesn't include uh, Shane Wright, who will like—actually, no, it does include Shane Wright, and it does include Matthew Beniers. So they've got 11 forwards. I've wondered about Seattle because— I remember in the offseason uh, chatting with one of my friends in Detroit going, man, if the Red Wings make a run for Kadri, I can see him making a run for Burakovsky as well because we all know how good of friends those two guys are. So I thought, hey, maybe a team with Shane Wright and Matty Beneers and on the up, and they've already got Grubauer, and, and I don't even know if Kadri gives a shit about Grubauer, but now they've got Burakovsky. Maybe he'll sign there. Well, Seattle's got $10-plus plus million in cap space right now. I think nine point eight, so right around $10 million. They're not signing Kadri for 11 million. They have the cap space. It is now Sunday. It's 6 p.m. He hasn't signed yet.
0: So let's get into how the avalanche can make it work, right? I think that's what everybody really wants to hear. I mean, I guess it's surprising to me that there's no injuries with the avalanche that they could use to their advantage and maybe do an LTIR situation come start of the season and just get the signing done and worry about the semantics later. But, um, you know, I guess explain to me and and our listeners why that's not a valid theory and what the avalanche got to do here to make it work.
1: I, I got to hand it to Peter Ball once again. Again, I wish we had him on the show today. We probably should have asked him, but I know he's probably taking a weekend off after the madness. But
0: He's by the pool right now.
1: He's, he's hanging out somewhere, probably trying to get into that Pierre LeBron cottage that uh, everybody <laughs> tries to get into in the media world. Um, Peter, he did something that I didn't realize in the moment what he was doing. So on Wednesday when we talked to Chris McFarland, I asked him about, well, at first, you know, uh, Peter asked him about the Nathan McKinnon extension. He said, they're talking, you know, nothing to report on it. I asked him about uh, being in on Kadri, and he said, you know, he's asked Kadri's agents and camp to keep them up to date with everything as offers come in and things like that. Um, and then at the very end, Peter comes in and asks another question that none of us I, – I didn't really care to, you know – figure out why he was asking it but he said hey Chris we haven't had any kind of closing uh, press conferences since the Stanley Cup final was won is there anybody on the team whose injuries is lingering to the point where they're going to miss the start of the regular season and Chris I believe said something along the lines of no Peter I believe everybody will be ready for training camp and I'm like all right cool so Peter's going back three weeks and asking a question that was should have been asked three weeks ago and then the next day the LTIR thing came about I think you were the one that mentioned. You're like, hey, what if the Avs do the LTIR thing? And I was like, is anybody injured? And then right away my brain thought of that question. I'm like, little fucking Peter Ball. (laughs) He knew exactly why he was asking that question so that he can write about the potential of, um, you know, maybe Chris saying, oh, Sam Girard might be out the first four months of the season. So now Peter Ball can go write an article about how maybe the Avalanche are going to LTIR. But that doesn't seem like it's the case. It seems like everybody's healthy. It is July 17th. The regular season is about 90 days away, give or take, because this, I think, is October 12th, uh, the regular season home opener. So, you know, Eric Johnson can fall off another golf cart or (laughs) (laughs) uh, Sam Gerrard can drop the cup the way that McDermott did or do another cartwheel on a stage like he did at the – I don't know. Something could happen, but – given the openness of what Chris said that day, he's either taking a page out of the Joe Sackick book and playing a complete swerve on everybody or the Avalanche aren't even considering the idea of an LTIR.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was definitely shocked to hear that nobody was hurt because in my, in my mind, I saw some players literally having a hard time, you know, putting their gear on and and giving it a full hundred percent effort out there. So um, you know, I, I don't. I don't know. I guess that's obviously an option thrown out the window. So the other option that the Avs have left is making a trade. Which, you know, it's it's tough to take a step backwards just to take another step forward, right? I mean, they're the players that are being floated around. Really, are JT Confer, Sam Gerrard, and uh, those guys were were good pieces to the puzzle this year. I mean, I'm sure I know Sam Gerard didn't complete the playoffs, but you know, while he was in there, I, th- I think he made a positive impact. So. Um, I guess let's talk about how they would go the trade route to make uh, a cadre make some room for Kadri.
1: The one thing I will say before we get to that point is regarding the LTIR thing thumb injuries are not three four five month injuries but you always have to remember that when a general manager says that nobody on the roster is an LTIR situation they mean I mean, What if Nazem Kadri's the LTIR? They sign him and LTIR him. Who the hell knows? I'm not saying that's the case, but it's just like it's funny that you always have to take what a GM says with a grain of salt, which is basically me saying that an LTIR could still be an option. You never know. Um, But in regards to Sam Jordan, JT Comfer. It's
0: just tough. Sorry. It's just tough to juggle a big contract like that right if he is the LTIR and then he's ready to get back in the lineup it's like all right well we've got a lot of juggling to go to do right now
1: yeah and again the your thumb must really be fucked up for you to miss <laughs> you know from when did he injure it may something or no sorry June something until October and you're still not ready because you played three games in the Stanley Cup final like that would be kind of wild um but, yeah, always take what a GM says with a grain of salt. He said, no, Peter, I believe that everybody will be healthy for training camp. Even that, I believe, take that with a grain of salt. You never know. Chris McFarland might have been as uh, new to the job and might have been a GM for the last seven or eight days, but he's been around for a while, and he probably has been learning from some good people like Joe Sackick.
0: He knows the game. He knows the game. Basically. Let's get um, into uh, Gerard and Comfer here.
1: Yeah, so those are the two obvious ones because – I mean, who else at this point can you trade to clear up the cap space? Again, you're about 4.6. I genuinely believe in the heart of hearts, and there's nothing to this other than just my speculation that if Kadri's not going to take... Because one of the teams that we know for sure put in a big offer for Nas is the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. Around the time that they put in an offer for Goudreau, and I, I bet you, no disrespect to Nas, they're kind of happy that Nas said no, which he did, because... Goudreau said yes, so they got the younger, better player. Um, But if a team that's outside of the playoff picture or a team that he doesn't want to go to is the only one offering a big contract and he's going to take less, and I use that word loosely because it's not like he's going to sign for $1 or $2 He's just going to not cash out big time and sign for a more reasonable number. If he's going to take less to go somewhere, um, it'll be Colorado. If Colorado can give him the same less that... Another contender can like, you know, Lou Lamarello and the Islanders, which Lamarello on July 12th, the day before free agency opened. The Islanders was my prediction for where Kadri goes because of that Lamarello connection, uh, given the fact that the, the contract he just came off of the six years, four and a half million AAV was signed by Lou Lamarello when he was the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I can see Nas and his agents calling Lou and being like, all right, man, you underpaid me six years ago. Throw on a couple million dollars. You're going to retire soon. Let me make some money after your retirement. So moral of the story, if he's going to take less, I think it's going to be with the Avalanche. So how much less is the question? Um, I got two ways to look at this. He was making four and a half. And I have to go through all this before we can talk about who to clear up because it matters how much cap space the Avalanche will have. So he was making four and a half. The number that I come up with is 6.3 per year. And the reason why I say 6.3 is because something in me, and I don't know why it is, and players do this all the time, it's not a petty thing, it's not like they're on bad terms with their teammate, but players all the time say, I should be making more than that guy. Well, Val Nachushkin just signed for what, 6.125? So I can see Nas being like, all right, I'll take less to stay in Denver, but I'm not going to take the 5.9 you offered me or whatever. Like I'm just throwing out a random number out of my ass. I want it to be a little bit more than Val because I'm your second line center and I had more points than him in the regular season. Something as basic as that. So maybe he takes 6.3 over five years or, or or 6.25 over six years or something like that. Or maybe the avalanche throw in a seventh year and bring the AAV down to like 5.8. You never know. Well, in that situation you have to clear up 1.2 million and If you're going to trade JT Comfer, you're clearing up 3.5. That's great, right? Well, no, because now you have to replace JT Comfer. We just saw Matthias Janmark, who's a very worthy third-line center, sign a $1.25 million UFA deal. We just saw, uh, what's his face, Pierre Engvall, who's a very worthy third-line center for the Toronto Maple Leafs, sign a $2.25 million deal. Well, if you're going to trade JT Comfer, we'll start with that example. There's a guy on the market you can probably get for that low. Even though he's worth 3, 3.5 million, you might be able to get him for that low because he might want to return home. He might, might want to make a return, uh, a run for the cup, and it's number 26, Paul Stastny. So that seems like the easiest one for me. You sign Kadri, you sign Stastny, you take JT Confer's 3.5, and you trade him to a team that needs a worthy centerman. And the reality is, Confer's a good player. You're not going to unload him for nothing. You'll probably get less back given the circumstances and the fact that teams are looking at you going, all right, if JT's worth a second and a third, we're just going to give you a fourth because we know the cap situation you're in. So that's kind of the first thing that I think of when I think of the Avalanche clearing cap space for Nazem Khatri.
0: Well, you said there were two things. I know you spoke for a long time and people want to yeah, hear yeah, my yeah. voice, but let's get the second idea. Well, the there.
1: second thing is the Sam Gerrard one. So let's start with the JT Comfort one. What do you think about that?
0: I gotcha. you. Um, no, I think as far as – filling that role in the roster, you have the guys, right? I mean, if you can slide Newhook into your third center position, you've got all the center center roles filled out, right? All the way down, up and down the lineup. So I guess there is some flexibility when you think of it that way. Um, I, I, I think JT Confer still pr- brings a lot to the table, right? He's, he's a penalty killer as well. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if you get better by losing JT Confer, but it, it might just be the something you have to deal with with the circumstances right now and and the cap the way it is. The reality with JT Comfer is he's one year away from UFA status.
1: So he's making three and a half. Is he going to take a pay cut? I don't think so. And even if he does, what does that mean? Three million per year? Like he's a very good player. Like he was – JT Comfer is weird because he never puts up a lot of points, but he scores these very strangely perfect timing clutch goals every once in a while. I would say the difference between JT Confer and Tyson Jost was that even when JT was having a bad season, you notice him randomly scoring the two goals against the St. Louis Blues to set up the Darren Helm winner. Like just those random goals that come out of nowhere at, in, at not inopportune, but very opportune time. So yep, 100%. He's, a, he's a good player. So are you going to lose him in a year? Probably. So maybe this is the time to pull the plug early. Now, that's one way to look at it. Um, and then, again, even when you two do trade him, you have the the option to use Alex Newhook as your centerman. And then on the right wing, you are probably going to have Ben Myers to replace Burakovsky. And on the left wing, now you have to replace Newhook, who's been shifted to center. I can see the Avalanche doing what the Tampa Bay Lightning did last year when they lost their entire third line. They replaced them with three youngsters. They had Ross Colton, they had Matthew Joseph, and they had Taylor Radish. So, maybe the Avalanche say, hey, Sampo, or hey, Martin Kout, we're going to give you guys one more chance and just roll with a, let's say, Ranta, Newhook, and Ben Myers line. Um, you know, that's one option you can take. Or the other option is you can keep New Hook on the wing, sign somebody like Paul Stastny for a year or another UFA uh, forward, which I haven't pulled up the UFA list, but with the on the list, I'm not sure how many more there is. Obviously, we've seen Dylan Strom, Ryan Strom, all these other guys sign. Um, Or the other option is you sign Newhook, you play Ben Myers on one wing, and then you go out and sign a winger. So now you're not stuck signing just a center. You can go out and sign a winger to play on the left wing and finally shift Newhook to center. Or maybe you trade Comfer for a lesser salaried forward. So there's quite a few ways to make the Comfer thing work. And that one, the reason why I talk about that more is because that one just makes more sense right now. Do I think Sam Gerrard's going to be with the Avalanche for the long haul? Um Probably not. And I say that, well, it's to be determined on if Devon Taves is going to get an extension next summer or if Devon Taves is going to be what I call the Ryan suitor to Shea Weber back in their prime where he's going to walk his UFA. Because if Devon Taves signs an extension next summer, which will be a year early, and Bowen Byram signs an extension next summer because he's been a beast and hopefully his concussion issues don't, you know, hinder his next upcoming season – well, now your left side is Devontae's making, I don't know, seven and a half, Bowen Byram making, I don't know, five and a half, and then Sam Gerard making five. That's not reasonable. You can't do that. So at that point, yes, you will trade Sam Gerard. Do I think Sam Gerard should get traded this summer when you can go the comfort route? No, because you still need to give Bowen Byram, in my opinion, I know he had an exceptional two months, I know he was a beast in the playoffs, but we got to give him one year because we need to make sure. He doesn't take a hit the wrong way. That might affect his career, might affect his life, might affect obviously his position in the lineup.
0: I guess I don't feel like you really finished your thought there. With Gerard, what what do you think would be the best option?
1: So if you go the Gerard route, it's simply to – so this kind of ties into Jack Johnson as well. Jack Johnson, I think, will sign a contract with the Avalanche. He didn't seem like he wanted to retire at the end of the season. When he was asked about it, he straight up said, I think it was to Peter and then I asked him about it later and he said, I'm not done. Um, to Peter, I think his his phrases were, I'm I'm still I'm just getting started or something like that. He wants to keep playing. So he's a left hand defenseman, obviously. We'll probably see him back. He literally replaced Sam Gerard in the playoffs. So if you trade Sam Gerard, then I would see that to be the kind of move where you are trading him probably for a prospect or someone who's on an entry level contract who's not quite there yet. Think what the Avalanche gave away with Connor Timmins last year. Not that you're going to get him back, or maybe you do. <laughs> Think what they gave away with Connor Timmins, a player who's on an ELC who might have a future in the NHL, which I genuinely believe Connor Timmins does, but you can play him in the AHL it doesn't matter or if he's good enough to play in the NHL, that's fine. And then you sign Jack Johnson. You have your seventh D-man in that. You've already signed Brad Hunt, which is the other signing that the Avalanche made as a UFA. He's a depth, uh, thirty-three-year-old veteran defenseman, uh, and they give him a two-year contract, so he'll be around, you know, bouncing between the Eagles and the Ass for a couple years. So it looks like that would be the best way to go. And then when you trade Sam Gerard, you either trade him for like that ELC kind of defenseman, or you trade him for picks and you get some high ones out of it. Maybe some prospects like that because the two teams that come to mind for me are the Vancouver Canucks and the Montreal Canadiens. Those are two teams that need a defenseman, especially Montreal. They would love to bring home their 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 hometown boy, and you know they have they they have everything building right now except for a defenseman. And and the one defenseman they had, and Jeff Petrie, they traded him. So that could be the kind of move that I see. Um, do I prefer it to the Comfort thing? No. But it still could be an option, just given the fact that the Avalanche might be looking at Bo and Byron and saying, all right, we're going to stick you in the top four. This is your team now.
0: Yeah, it definitely feels like the Gerard option has more repercussions to it, whereas confers option uh, doesn't really hurt the team as much and as quickly, I think. I think you're taking out a big piece if you lose Gerard but... Uh, again, they proved that they can win without him, right? So I think that's a t- that's sometimes a tough look. I mean, you love the guy, and I think he uh, he again he provides a lot. But the fact that they got it done with a lesser defenseman, both in talent and dollar wise, in Jack Johnson, I think says a lot.
1: Yeah, and and let's make no mistake about it. The only reason why we can even mention the idea of trading Sam Gerard is because Josh Manson actually came back. That was not in the plans. That wasn't in the plans for the Avalanche. That wasn't in the plans for us when we talked about it last Sunday. And that's what ended up happening. So with Josh Manson coming back, well, now he's your right-hand defenseman that can play on the second pair alongside Bowen Byram. And then on your top pair, you obviously have Taves and Makar. They're your studs. And then you have Eric Johnson with insert whoever the hell you want over here. It could be Jack Johnson, and you have your Johnson and Johnson pair, which, hey, that's fine. We saw that last year. It worked. You can have another young defenseman. You can have Brad Hunt, the veteran. You can sign another defenseman. Or you can have Sam Gerrard there because you still don't know what's going to happen. Because let's face it, Bowen Byram's seventh game of the regular season, God forbid, takes a hit to the head and he's out. Well, now you have Johnson and Johnson going, hey, who's going to play on the second pair here with Manson because we have no Gerard and no Byram. So I don't want to say that, like you just said, Byram – you know, is going to hurt you more. I don't know if it will hurt you more, but I will say it is the bigger risk. It's got more of a risk associated with it because as good as JT Comfort has been, in the NHL it will always be much easier to replace a third-line center than it is a minute-munching top-four defenseman like Sam Girard, who obviously was third most in ice time on the team behind Thames and Makar.
0: So last thing on the Qadri saga before we move on and get into the uh, signings is you lightly touched on it, and that's the McKinnon extension, right? We first heard from Joe Sackick about the trade deadline or so that he said that that was going to be one of his goals. That's one of his to-dos for this summer. So how does that affect what Nazem Kadri's is looking for as well?
1: I don't know if it affects what Nazem Kadri's is looking for. I think it affects what the Avalanche are willing to give him. Because maybe the avalanche here. Because look, you trade J.T. Comfort, You're clearing up 3.5 million dollars for one year. You're not signing Nazem Kadri for one year. You're giving him four, five, six, seven, eight is off the table now. You can no longer do that. But you're giving a long-term deal. So one of the other things that might be holding this up as well. And again, I have to make this clear. I am not saying Nazem Kadri is coming back to the Avalanche. We might publish this tonight. And on Monday, you wake up and find out he signed with insert team here. That isn't the Avalanche. But what I will say is if Joe Sackick and Chris McFarland are the guys that are going to get Nazem Kadri, one of the other things they might be waiting on is to get this McKinnon deal locked up so that they know their top line center is making, oh, I don't know, 10 and a half or 11 or something. Um, and then they know their second line center is making X amount. They They will know what they can give Kadri based off of what they can give McKinnon because they have a certain amount allotted to the top two center spots. And McKinnon, obviously, you need to know what he's making to
0: know what you can give Nas. And I'm all for it. Pay the top two centers, yeah. right? I mean, that's, and what, that's, a good that's point, the anchor the of your team.
1: That's a very good point, bringing up the McKinnon extension. that That's very much something that shouldn't be ignored. That might be something that's holding this up too.
0: Yeah. Definitely definitely plays a role here. Um, real quick, got to talk to you about my friends over at Superbook Sports. Summer is here, and there's no better time to make your first bet with Superbook Sports. Along with its usual vast betting menu, Superbook already has a lineup for every pro football game this fall. Plus, when you make your first deposit on the Superbook app or sign up at Superbook.com, they will match 100% of your money up to $500. It's never too early to start thinking about football at Superbook Sports. Place your bet and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Yeah, so let's get into the uh, stale news that we dropped the ball on, and that's the uh, signing of a couple guys, starting with Val Nichushkin, Eight years, 49 mil, Um, I guess – You know, the the simple question is your thoughts on the dollar amount in the term.
1: I was way off just like I was with the Landeskog extension last year. I said that Landeskog last year would go longer term to take lesser money so that you can bring the AAV down. He didn't do that. And then I looked at the extension. I said, you know what? Yeah, he is worth that. Gabe Landeskog is worth seven times eight. With Nachushkin, I didn't think the Avalanche would go the eight route. And by going the eight route, his value automatically goes up. Because if you remember, I said it would probably be like four to five years around 5.6, I think was the number that I settled on. Four years, 5.6. Well, the reason why I said that is because in four years from now, when the salary cap is higher, and the Chushkin's only 26, 27 right now, he's still going to be a good player at 30, 31. He'll be the age Kadri is now looking for 7, eight, 9, 10 million. So in four years from now, if Val was to sign a four-year deal, he would likely get from the avs or on the market like a seven and a half to $8 million deal, assuming his career remains the same. So by giving him an eight-year extension, you gotta give him more money to make up for the fact that he's likely leaving money on the table and kind of trading that off for the fact that an eight-year deal is guaranteed while playing for four years and then getting a better contract is not. It would be betting on yourself. So by doing an eight-year deal, he's worth more than six million, which I agree with. And I love the fact that they settled on that number. It wasn't way too high. It wasn't 6.5, 6.6, 6.9 like William Nylander in Toronto. It's a very comfortable 6.125 for eight years for a guy who was drafted in Nathan McKinnon's draft year. And that's something people forget. You are not giving Nazem Kadri, who's going to be 32 on opening night, an eight-year deal. You are giving a kid who was drafted in 2013 who's in that 26 to 27 age range, just like Nathan McKinnon, an eight-year deal, to be the beast that he's been. He was late to the scene. He was a late bloomer after being a high draft pick. And if you ask me, he's worth it. And I think that it was a very tidy bit of work there by Chris McFarland.
0: Yeah. Assuming he can sustain his level of play. I think it's all up to that, right? We really only saw one because it was the only full year that we've seen in, in a couple years during his growth, right? But really one full season put together. I think, the team has to be pretty confident that he's going to continue on that, that pace and that trajectory. So I, I think, you know, as long as they believe in him, I think I do too. But the, the term is what rubs me a little bit the wrong way, just because um, I, I think it's easy to draw the comparison with Eric Johnson, right? Look at Eric Johnson, 34 years old. And we've talked about how he's breaking down. He's not worth his contract anymore. Maybe they can buy him out. Maybe they can trade him. blah, 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 blah. Um, does not play a soft style game. He loves to go in the corners. He loves the forecheck. He I mean, look, he played an an entire game or two on a completely broken foot. Is he going to is his body going to hold up through the tenure of this eight years? That's really my question.
1: Is Gabe Landeskog's body going to hold up for the tenure of his eight years?
0: That's a, that's a question as well. Yeah,
1: probably not. But I feel these more are,
0: comfortable giving that to Landeskog than you do a Nichushkin.
1: I don't. Landeskog was 29 and played a lot more hard miles and a lot more games in the NHL than Val did. Because well, Val and if you remember, I didn't,
0: I didn't love that term either. Yeah. But.
1: but the reality is, these are the types of deals that you have to give as a contender, where in six years from now, we're going to be like, God, Nichushkin's 33 and Val and, and Landeskog's 35 and they're making this much and McKinnon and McCar and, you know. It's a cycle. In the NHL, you're a contender until you're not. And when you're not, you suddenly have five bad contracts on the books. It's just, it's the reality. If you and I are doing this in five years, and six years, and seven years, we'll be talking about the anchor that is the Valentushkin contract, like Chicago had with Brent Seabrook, who was once, you know, and and I'm not saying that that's what's going to end up happening with Val's contract, but it very much is a possibility. It's just the reality of, of, of how you do business in the NHL. You lock people up to more years to get the AAV down. So. That's one thing you got to keep in mind. The other thing that I will say is I don't want to say it's been one good season for Val. I would say more two. The only difference is in the first year, so being the 2021 season, the one that was short in 56 games, the Avalanche just didn't give him much of a chance to be the scorer and the guy he was. What do we spend all of last summer talking about after Kemper replaced Grubauer? It was who's going to replace Brandon Saad? And we kept freaking talking about Tomas Tatar. Let's bring in Tatar. Let's sign this guy. Let's trade that guy. Or maybe we just give it to Alex Newhook, this young rookie who might be able will- And then we got to training camp and everybody's like, dude, did you forget Val Netchushkin was playing on the third line with Tyson Jost? We're going to try him on the second line. And we're like, yeah, Nichushkin, Kadri, Burakovsky. That would make sense. Nichushkin got a full year of that. He was exceptional. He did miss some games with some injuries. What I love about what the Avalanche put into the press release, because you know this was something that mattered. It was similar to Devon Taves. Every time Val was out of the lineup, the Avalanche would lose games. In the press release for when he signed, they talked about his career high in goals assistant points, 25, 27, and 52. His five game winning goals, sixth on the team in goals, third in game winning goals, Two shorthanded tallies, career high, 19 minutes of ice time, plus 21 was also a career high. And then they went on to say Colorado was 44-12-6 and six with him in the lineup. They know he's an important player because when he's not in the lineup, he's not. they lose games just like Devon Taves. He's that Swiss Army knife. So I would say it's been two good years, and that's after the first year with the Avs where you saw like this rise in his game. So I'm very comfortable with this because, again, he hasn't played a lot of games in the NHL. His body is not as beat down, and I say this as I watched him get carted out of Game (laughs) 7 or Game 6, his body is not as beat down as Gabe Landeskog, who at 18 played 82 games and has played a ton of hockey since.
0: Yeah, I mean, back to our LTIR conversation. I mean, how long does it take to heal from a foot? But, uh, I mean, with Val Nichushkin, that's the other thing too, right? Is a lot of the things he does aren't necessarily quantifiable. So the fact that he was able to couple it with some points and, and, you know, some pretty big time goals this year, along with the things that he does that aren't quantifiable, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with the contract, but, there, um, are,
1: there are advanced stats that show that he's good, but my favorite advanced stat for watching Val Nachushkin is you and me sitting in the press box going, look how fucking relentless he is on the forecheck. Him and Lekanen, every single time another team gets the puck, they just get hounded by these two guys, especially when they're on the same line.
0: Yeah, and he, he, he really like spreads himself out like a big yeah, eagle when he's he doing does. that forecheck too, right? And With oh, that big body good. coming at you, it just causes chaos for the, for the defenseman with the puck. Um, he's so great. <laughs> Speaking of defensemen with the puck, let's get to Josh Manson's contract. Four years, 4.5 mil. Basically, um, I mean, it was a slight pay raise from what he was already on, but essentially the same contract that he, he had for the last few years.
1: I love this deal. I absolutely love this deal, and the reason why I love this deal and the reason why many Avalanche fans should love this deal, and we'll see what happens with Nazem Kadri because this will be a portion of it too. Josh Manson wasn't supposed to stay he was never supposed to stay. Elliot Friedman was talking about how Manson, during the Stanley Cup final, Friedman was talking about how Manson can go back and sign with Anaheim, which is the likely scenario. Grew up in California, you know, met—I think he met his wife there, married there, lived there forever, and will be the first captain of the Anaheim Ducks in the post-Ryan Getzlaf era, who's retired now. Well, Manson comes to Colorado and goes, "Holy shit, this is great," and looks at the team and says, "I can't leave this." And more than the player staying, and the player's an important piece, and the salary cap number makes sense. Ben Chirac got 4.75 from the Red Wings. Manson could have gotten 5+. plus. We'll see what Klingberg uh, gets. Nicoletti, I believe, got 4 million from the Blues. So right on par with those defensemen, but Manson was exceptional. But when you look at what Manson did, on top of how good the player is, it's the fact that he wanted to be here, and that, to me, is the biggest thing. This guy was never supposed to be a long-term piece of this team. He was the rental from the start. But now suddenly Drew Hellison in a second-round draft pick for a minimum of five years of Josh Manson? There is nothing about that trade that you hate, nothing about this deal that you'll hate. Unless, you know, his play on the ice craters, but I don't see that happening.
0: I mean, there's just no replacement for fun, right? I mean, we know these guys are professionals and they play the game for money, but when you're winning and you're actually having fun, and it was a short time that he was here, right? But he slotted in and immediately was like, okay, immediately was like, okay this is a, a dressing room that has a different feel to it. I, I like what's going on here. This is a blast. I want to stay here. So I think it says a lot about the team around him as well. And
1: four more years. And if we get, which, by the way, the PHWA sent us an email uh, to members, a couple weeks ago from Frank Valley, and as of right now, and I know we said this last year too, but last year was a little more in limbo. Well, last year was a miscommunication. This year is legitimately, as of right now, the plan is that locker room access will return to normal in October. I know that Val Nachushkin is my favorite player in the entire world because I always ask about him 17 times a day. I don't think I'm going to be hanging out at Val stall after practice or after morning skate, it's going to be Josh Manson's. Come on. Like if that guy is as great as he is in press conferences, think of how cool that guy would be to shoot the shit with in the locker room. Four yeah. more years of that, sign me up. I'll pay for the point, you know, for sure. Oh, 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 one of his contract.
0: And 4.5 mil gets, get goes a lot further in Colorado than it does in uh, Orange County too. Right. And um, yep. that's the other thing is you look at his contract history and after his uh, ELC he actually took a step backwards, and his next contract after that was a little bit lower. So to see him get to uh, rise and get to four, four point five mil a year, uh, you know, good on him. He he deserves it, and it's it's gonna be fun to watch him. Uh, I guess continue to blossom these next four years. His
1: his play earned it. You know, he was part of that group of the Anaheim Ducks. They had Sammy Vattenin. They had Brandon Montour, who's with the Panthers now. They had Shea Theodore, who's with the Vegas Golden Knights now. They had a whole bunch of guys in their mid twenties that were all coming up at once. Um, And we saw them all leave to different teams and we saw Manson stay with the Ducks for a while and then his play with the Avalanche elevated his salary and and deservedly so.
0: Right, I mean, and and it's just a good fit too, right? He's... The structure of the uh, Avs' defense and the way they run the offense, always getting pucks on net, just fits Manson's game. So maybe that was part of it too for him. He's like, you know, I can flourish here. I can actually add more points to my uh, stat line and maybe help me down the, ro- down the road here.
1: Score some beauty goals in the playoffs too.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, lastly, Darren Helm, uh, one year, 1.25. I think we uh, we talked about this one quite a bit coming into it. Not Not exactly a surprise. We knew he liked it here. Pretty reasonable number for everybody, and uh, another year of Darren Helm on the PK. Absolutely great.
1: I, I'm so happy to see that the Avalanche were able to keep both Helm and Cogliano. I had a sense one of them might be like, I won, let me retire. And if Jack Johnson signs too, like, what does that say that even all these three veterans in their mid-30s who were all kind of on the, you know, the last end of their careers, the tail end of their careers, all come to Colorado, all succeed, all win a cup, and are big parts of it and have— good times playing like they have a good time playing and they were good on the ice and they're all like fuck it yeah let's do it again they're looking at tampa bay and they're like you know whoever left that team after the first year let's say zach bogosian who went to toronto and then came back probably regrets it i don't want to retire now be sitting in my summer home next june watching the avalanche lift the cup again so I love that Darren Helms back. He's an exceptional penalty killer. And again, this is a guy that probably signed a one year deal coming out of that Red Wings team thinking, or that Red Wings contract where he was making 3.8 million for like a million years, uh, thinking eh, one last go at it. Well, that one last go turned into a Stanley cup being an exceptional playoff performer, having the most hits in the playoffs. Uh, shout out to the guy who back in January, I forgot. I, I just, I thought of this when I was looking at playoff stats a couple of weeks ago. Um, that was hounding me saying, how dare you call Darren Helm a physical player? You act like you know him from Detroit. He's n- he's anything but that. You just throw titles around or whatever he said. And uh, Darren Helm led the playoffs in hits and had a couple of 10-game hits and was exactly the type of player that I watched him in his prime in Detroit. So good to have that guy back. I'm not salty at all, but good to have that guy <laughs> back. Good to have him back with Cagliano. Again, just like Manson, this is a guy that came, loved it, and stayed just like Cogliano and probably Jack Johnson soon.
0: Yeah, and you think of guys like Matt Calvert, who he essentially replaced, right? Yeah. Who, there was that he he's kind of that same story. Of course, different circumstances. He's at home due to, I guess, health reasons and watching the ads win the cup. Helm doesn't want to be that guy for next year.
1: Yeah, no, and, and Helm is still he's still a, a great piece. You know, in the regular season he was average as Jared says, and then in the playoffs, he turned it on. So if or when Darren Helm is just average in the regular season. Don't worry about it. Playoffs is when he's going to shine.
0: You know Joe Sackick respects that, right? Yep, <laughs> that was, absolutely. That was his MO, too. Um, guys, Total Beverage. Everybody knows Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits, but did you know they deliver? Did you know they have curbside pickup available, and did you know they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th in Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself, or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. Um, As we wind down this episode, era development camp did happen last week. I attended, uh, I only attended one of the three days. It was definitely a different camp. Just not the pizzazz around it as normally, right? Usually you go into it like, all right, I'm excited to see this guy, this guy, and this guy. Um, Most of those guys that you were excited about didn't make it to development camp and there's just kind of a shortage on uh, exciting players down there most of
1: those guys that we were excited about got traded at the deadline for manson and so (laughs) that's where we are now i love seeing ben myers or i did not attend um it's it's been a month and i just needed a little bit of time away from hockey so i did not attend that but i mean i could see why there was no pizzazz
0: yeah, I was excited to see the uh, new goalie, right, Ivan Jigalov and he he didn't make it. Yeah. And then uh, Ben Myers it was good to see Ben Myers and uh, Behrens. He he definitely had the uh, I guess he he looked to be the best player out on the ice. He was he was fun to watch. Other than that, just kind of a couple guys trying to get better at hockey. Um, but yeah, that's and all Taylor I had. McCarr. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had to uh, touch on it since you know I spent my time there. Might as well do something. I didn't even tweet. I was there, and I n- nothing inspired me enough to even make a tweet. I was just simply watching some drills, watching the way the guys, you know, try to get better and and work on some stuff that they normally don't work on. That's what I like about development camp. They always push them outside of their comfort zone, right? They make them do drills that aren't necessarily natural, or organic hockey plays, but you know, maybe getting better at your edges or working on your uh, eye hand hand eye coordination, things like that. I, I like to watch them just to see the kind of things that professional hockey teams are working on with their prospects
1: yeah and uh, a couple of those guys might be players on the roster this year a couple of those guys might be players in the next few years few years Sean Barron's as he should be uh, one of the players that sticks out because he's a player that the Avalanche have high hopes for Uh, Ben Myers obviously is going to be slotted like Ben Myers as Jeff Merrick has said time and time again. this the Avalanche sign him this is a first round talent he said the Avalanche traded Tyson Jost a former first rounder away and then they went out and sw- and swooped in and signed the first-round talent college free agent, basically replacing him. Um, so, you know, there's some guys in there that are going to matter. Um, but, again, coming off of a Stanley Cup run, I think everybody's just like, yeah, we're more interested in what JT Confer is doing with the Cup in Chicago than what you know <laughs> Chris Romain looks like on the ice or Taylor
0: McCarr or whatever. For sure, for sure. It was a little uh, light there in terms of, public viewership but uh yeah that'll do it for today's version of the podcast of course don't forget to check out our friends at superbook sports and total beverage era closing thoughts um as we head into the week here and uh you know let's see what happens with naz and kadri
1: yeah i would appreciate if kadri would make his decision soon but i would appreciate if he waits at least 24 hours from right this moment so that this podcast episode doesn't die in the mere moments ahead
0: well let's hurry up get this edited and published so (laughs) Um, at least a few people
1: a few people can listen to it before Kadri makes a decision
0: exactly you know there are a small handful of guys out there that like to listen to us right away and I love those people thank you guys thank you for listening no matter when you do so we appreciate you guys as always Um, if you made it this far on the podcast bless your pretty little heart let's make hockey for everyone and we out you